What's up? What's up, TDL family? What's up, Sadaria? <laughs> hello, hello. Oh my gosh, it's been a minute. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter right now. Um, we got a special, special uh, treat for y'all tonight. So today is the first episode of The Coach and the Clinician, a new series that we have developed I am the coach, Coach Ernie Williams, a.k.a. Coach E. And Mr. Daria Moore is the clinician, LCSW. Um, man, she's my co-host, and she comes with a lot of expertise. So, Sedaria, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this with me. Uh, uh, absolutely. So, for anybody uh, out there that doesn't know who you are yet, um, let's, <laughs> let's give them an intro. Give a little bit of your background, um, what you specialize in, and kind of how you got to that, that uh, the point you are at now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, hi, everyone. Um, I'm Sedaria Moore. I'm an LCSW, which is a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I got my master's degree at USC, fight on Trojans, um, and it was in social work, of course. Um, and yeah, happy social work month, by the way, uh, to all my social workers out there to all my Trojans, all my change agents. Um, but I, I basically, I work with um, a wide range of people. So children, adults, families that are struggling with certain mental health challenges. Um, I got my start in hospice care, actually, as a baby social worker. And um, through that work, I really got to really see the family system for what it was. And, you know, it really brought to light some of the challenges that individuals within that system um, deal with, which really, you know, kind of drove me to going into different parts of the field, uh, addiction treatment, school-based mental health, um, working with anxiety and mood disorders. So, um, yeah, it, it really just opened my eyes. And then I landed here in my practice, Iridescent Wellness, where I you know, I'm, I'm very trauma focused. I'm very holistic in my approach as well, um, which is why I started my own aromatherapy line. Uh, shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> Iridescence, Iridescent Wellness, um, which is my aromatherapy company that I started to be an adjunct to the therapy treatment that I provide. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in plant therapy and plant health and um, the, the great benefits that they offer. So um, check it out. <laughs> but yes, I'm happy to be here. Exactly. Thank you. I'm happy you're here too. Y'all check her IG out. Uh, check her website out also. also. comes with a, She comes with a lot of um, expertise and experience. So that is why she is my special co-host. So, <laughs> you know, today today's topic is um, talking about the importance of mental health in sports. So for coaches and for athletes, um, we're going to be talking about mental health for the next eight episodes, different sectors, different issues, different strategies that we're going to give out and, and talk about and bring awareness to. Um, that has to do with athletes performing and we're attacking the mental health perspective. So I guess let's just kick it off. Let's start it off with like just answering the question of scenario like what is mental health? Um, what's the basic, I guess, definition of that? Yeah, um, I guess in a nutshell, uh, mental health is the emotional, psychological, and social well-being um, that we have. Um, it's our ability to cope with day-to-day -day stressors um, without, 
you know, significant distress or disturbance in our functioning. So, you know, it's just our, our well-being and how we are able to maintain that. Right. Um, so then why, why is it important for athletes to have, athletes and coaches to have, I guess, a positive or healthy uh, mental health um, state of mind? Yeah. I mean, I think for athletes in particular, it's really important, um, obviously, for, for the physical piece. Um, you know, when you are struggling with mental health issues, um, you know, there can be a physical impact to your body, um, you know, muscle weakness, muscle pain, tension, and that can absolutely prohibit you from performing at your highest level. Um, and then also the, the mental piece, you know, if, if your mind's not right, it's really hard to focus and concentrate on, on the game or whatever your sport is. It's really hard to, to stay focused on that, um, you know, when you're, you know, when you are consumed with, you know, certain thoughts or negative self-talk um, or you're just not feeling really confident. Right. So it's just it's, it's optimal. It's important because of the optimal performance that we're trying to uh, mm -hmm. get to at every level right of sports uh when you're talking about athletes even middle school high school level college level pro level there are i guess different um mental health levels that we want to preserve or get to mm -hmm. and i want to let's, let's talk about the challenges i guess at, at each level if we can um what type of challenges do you foresee athletes in the middle school um middle school age going through or having to deal with when it comes to sports and you know how hype sports is how kind of pressurized sports is what do you think they are dealing with the most right now um well i think that school age children um in particular or adolescents um you know there's already so many pressures that they deal with um you know social wise um you know dealing with their peers and you know puberty and really trying to come into their own, especially, you know, during those times, that's where identity is, is formulated. And so I think that being an athlete, you're, you're kind of in this vacuum or in this bubble, um, and that becomes your identity. And um, I think for young people that are still trying to define that and, and figure things out and figure out what, you know, what's important to them, I think that, you know, it's really easy for them to attach themselves to that identity and really not see anything outside of that, um, which can, you know, down the line when they do become adults, you know, when that sport is no longer um, available to them or they're no longer, you know, they, they have to retire or what have you, um, you know, it's, it, they, they find themselves kind of in an identity crisis. Yeah, and I can I can attest to that. I I went through that, um, and you might I don't know if you might see it more blatantly when you have athletes that have been get to the pro level, college level. They play a little longer, so it's harder to they have they've had more time to attach their overall self identity to their sport identity, mm -hmm. and so like I, I had to deal with that too when it comes to retiring from playing seven years of professional basketball overseas. Uh, five or six years after retirement, I was still trying to, I was still trying to figure out my identity and, and how to detach from the basketball player and uh, thinking that, oh, okay, that's, that's the only thing I was good at and figuring mm -hmm. out my, uh, my next step in my career. Um, yeah. So it is, it is a real thing. And I think if we got to find some ways to teach kids 
in middle school and high school, when they're playing with their schools, when they're playing in AAU or summer select, continue to help them, to continue to help them, like, I get out outside of their sport. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe, and maybe school, you know, having to get good grades to be eligible to play sports, you have to get good grades. But also when you look at that, what subjects are they good at? What things at school, what electives are they taking that they really enjoy? And make sure that we're, I'm thinking, make sure that we are putting kind of as much energy as we do in basketball or any other sport that they're playing mm-hmm. into those electives, into those other things that they can t- continue to uh, create and develop stre- strengths around. Because yeah. like you said, when the game is gone, it is gone. It is, oh my gosh, it's very tough. It's very tough to detach mm-hmm. if you're really stuck to your athletic identity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think you, you made a really great point that, um, you know, highlighting the things that they're good at outside of their sport. You know, if you get your kid's report card back and you see that they're excelling in math or, you know, science or what have you, like, you know, play that up and, and you know, really dig deep and, and see if that's something that they're interested in as well. And if that's something that they find, you know, that they're passionate about, that if that's something that they are really skilled at, you know, send them to science camp too. You send them to basketball camp and science camp, um, you know, and, you know, ask them, you know, if they, you know, let them, let them take the, the computer apart and put it back together. If you see that they have these really great technical skills, um, you know, just really, really highlighting their strengths and um, also reminding them that, you know, their identity is not what they do, it's who they are. And so really helping kids cultivate values and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, clarifying their values and their beliefs. Um, You know, are they um, super compassionate? Are they kind? Um, Are they adventurous? Are they fun? Um, Do they have great Mm -hmm. social skills? You know, and really, really, um, you know, allowing them to, you know, to really fully realize those attributes um, so that they know that they are so much more than their sport. Um, they're great at what they do, but, um, you know, they can do anything. Absolutely. I, I agree to that. Um, what, so let's talk about, so talk about middle school, high school, college players. Now when we get to the big league, <laughs> the big league, dun, 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 dun. one of the big <laughs> leagues, dun, 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 dun. man, let's let's talk and think about what these what these athletes are going through from high school. Okay, so you played at a high level in your sport in high school, but high school is a different ball game than college. College is next level, and classes are super different depending on the college you go to. Mm-hmm. Might be a small college, might be a huge campus, yeah. but overall that level of focus um, mm-hmm. on the court, off on the field, and mm-hmm. in the classroom is super different. I know in my experience, my number one thing was, uh, man, time management. Yeah. That was a, that was a stressor. <laughs> I was anxious all the time. Like, I got something to do. I don't know what it is. I'm about to be late. And then this spiral effect of, like, what's the coach going to say? Am I in the yeah. right spot? All kind of stuff. Um so yeah, time management was was one of the things that I had issues with. So for sure, freshman freshman year, a lot of I think college students do have student athletes have. Um, how wh- how how can we combat that? How can we uh, get some solutions to some um, high schoolers that are getting ready to go to college or shoot college players that are freshmen going into the sophomore year? How can we tackle that that time management piece? especially in today's world where there's so much distractions 
Mm-hmm. So much social media, so many different things than what we had in college. <laughs> yeah, um, time management. I'm like, well, you know, I'm an adult, and um, when I figure that out, I will let you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have probably three calendars that help me keep track of life, so I can't imagine being in college trying to do that right now. Um, you know, but I think you know, time management is a big deal, um, especially when you're playing a sport. Um, but it's just like for us adults, like work-life balance, right? We want to have balance. We want to be able to, um, you know, make sure that we are giving um, enough time and attention to all aspects of our lives. And you know, this is the question that I that I always have to ask myself. And maybe this is something that would help athletes. Like, what is it that I can take off my plate? You know, what can I take off my plate? Because I think that we we tend to add a little bit more um, to our plate than is necessary at that time. Um, you know, do I have to do this right now? And, and really prioritizing what's most important. Um, if that, you know, if it's school, if it's like, you know what, right now, like I'm, I'm struggling in, in this subject or, you know, I'm having a hard time keeping up with this, um, you know, being willing to reach out for support, like from tutors or, you know, letting your coaches know that you're struggling. Um, yes. You know, your coaches are your coaches are there for you, not just to coach you in the game, but also to, you know, to provide guidance and to provide, to provide support for you. So I think that, you know, athletes sometimes forget that the that the role of the coach is, you know, to also support them in other areas so that they can thrive on the court or in whatever their respective sport is. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, the question, what can I take off my plate um, is a big, big one. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to completely dismiss that thing, but it's like, can I put it to the side for now? And then, you know, once I get a handle on this, you know, can I go ahead and reevaluate and see what it is that I can bring back into the picture? Wow. I, I agree. I agree totally with that. What can you take off? What can I take off my plate? And I think one tip that I did learn, shoot, I think my junior year <laughs> okay. was that even though with my classes, even though I probably knew I could get, I can get an A in math and uh, whatever, whatever else class I was in, I wanted a tutor. I wanted yeah. a tutor in every class. I don't care what it is because I wanted to make sure I'm staying up on top of things and I know what I'm doing. And I just wanted to secure, I want to secure that A or that B or whatever I could get um, Mm -hmm. in that class instead of waiting till the last minute when we're mid season, it's conference time and I'm struggling. I'm on borderline trying to get a C or a D and there's really no more time. There's Mm -hmm. not that much time to like put in and work up to getting that A. It's it's hard in college. One thing that, was different for me was coming from high school, you had homework every day. Right. <laughs> and when I got to college, I was, college, college, I was like, like, we don't have nothing to do every day. We might have something to, <laughs> we might have something to read. In the, in the, the uh, classes, I had some small classes and some were like auditoriums, 100, 200 people in. Mm-hmm. And they were just talking, they're just lecturing. Yeah. And if you're not paying attention and if you're not probably in the first three rows, you, you all that is gonna be missed. Mm-hmm. You just going to class, going through the motions, and then the next in in two weeks you got a test. You be like, "What? <laughs> Freshman <laughs> year and sophomore y'all got what we got going? What test? You ain't got me no homework. I did like why, why are you testing us? You ain't talking. Yeah. You ain't yeah. telling me nothing. No, mm-hmm. they were talking. They was they were teaching. They were. Uh, that was hard. I was like, dang. Okay. So yes, uh, and they kind of made us. They made us sit in <laughs> sit in the first three rows, which was good. Kept us up. Kept I us like in. that. Man, and, and and it's just a hack. Like, don't 
save yourself, athletes. Don't go sit in the back of the in the back <laughs> of the um auditorium because you're just trying to chill and get through the day. Make sure you're taking care of your business. Also, be present. That makes your professors see you. Be present, and then you gotta hack it, right? Mm-hmm. When y'all are on the road and you need a day or two to turn in a, 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 a test, they're gonna be all right with you because they you come to class. I'm just trying to tell you. That. They're not, oh, okay. gonna, they're, not, they're not gonna be like, nope, you gotta turn it in. They're gonna, they'll probably give you some flex, flexible room. Some of them will, right? They might be flexible. Uh, but yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> I, I figured that out the hard way. I was like, nah, I need tutor. I need 12 tutors. Let's make sure <laughs> we mm-hmm. get this right. Um, yeah, office hours. Don't forget about those. Office hours are. Take advantage of. And I regret yeah. Yeah. yeah, office hours. I didn't play. I didn't, you know, do any sports at the at the collegiate level, but I did in the at, in high school. I swam competitively from the age of six mm-hmm. to until I finished high school. And um, man, uh, <laughs> that was that was a challenge. And so I'm I'm glad that I didn't have to deal with that going into college. But if I had, um, I would say office hours would be the ticket. Um, you know, so that you make sure you don't miss anything. And again, you know, utilizing your resources, um, mm-hmm. you know, coaches, parents, um, you know, other, um, you know, other classmates, your teammates, like start some study groups, even within your team, um, you know, and also utilizing those office hours to make sure that you are able to, you know, retain whatever it is they're teaching. And also yeah. it, it really gives you visibility with your, your with your professors too. It lets them know that you're present. Um, and that goes a long way as well, especially when you when you might need a little bit of grace um, because you you know had a game um, or a competition or something like that. Yeah, I mean, because the worst thing is to have your coach or your academic advisor go kind of uh, go to bat for you for a, 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 a grade or a test yeah. or whatever, and your professor's like, "Oh, I didn't even know she or he was in my class." Come on, don't do it. Who was Ernie? You better, you better <laughs> let them know. They better know that you're in their class. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so it's good and bad because you got you to gotta show up. But yeah. you, you need them to be on your side. So, yeah, take things off your plate and get all the other things out of your way from being successful. Uh, I, office hours. I did not I go did to not office go. hours. And that's one thing I will tell student athletes is take your butt to office hours every couple of weeks. I don't care. Make sure they you know where their office is at. <laughs> we gotta talk. I'm coming. Right. Well, in this day and age with virtual stuff, right? Like you know, yeah, they you can you can uh, get on a, a what is it the Survey Monkey or whatever the um, Calendly get on their Calendly and uh, mm-hmm. you know get in there, Real make yourself cool. known, and get the support you need. Mm-hmm. But I, I I agree with that. I wanted to touch on one more thing you were talking about. Yeah. Um, man, just asking for help and saying that you need help, saying that you need more time for um, tutors, mentors, uh, whatever it is on the on the school front. And yeah. for, if you have being more, being comfortable to, I guess, be your number one fan and speak up for yourself. Yes. Having the confidence in the, um, the right to say, hey, this is what I need. Because like you said, those coaches are there for for you. Yeah. They're, they're there to help you through this process and um, get you to get that that education and play at a high level. But they have the resources. We have all kind of people that are around our, our, the teams to help you. So yeah. speak up, 
don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be ashamed. You need help. You better let them know before it's too late because there's nothing worse than being un- ineligible. Yeah. You are your best advocate. That's for sure. That's right. Um, shoot. Where are we going now? Where are we going now? I, <laughs> I do want to talk about you being a, a black swimmer and all, you know? <laughs> I was hoping we would skate over that. <laughs> at the ripe age of yes. <laughs> long so, long gone but long yeah gone. let's get into Man. it <laughs> I, could, I could float to save my life i'll be so tired down and back that's my off that's my uh cross training for basketball i'll be so tired Mm-mm. but well, shout out to all my breaststrokers then yes. okay. <laughs> what's up but talk about Talk about, uh, tell us about how your experience um, being a a swimmer, um, yes. Yeah, being a swimmer, um, you know, it's, I mean, I, it's a, it's a time in my life where I'm, I'm super proud um, that I was able to enter a sport that really wasn't all that diverse and, and actually still isn't. Um, But um, no one in my family knows how to swim. Fun fact, mom, if you're watching, I'm sorry to bust you out, but uh, uh <laughs> no one in my family can swim. Um, but at a, a very at, at the age of two, um, I guess my mom figured out that I was a little baby dolphin, and so she got me into swim lessons, and then I started competing at six. Um, and you know, I think as I got older, in you know, in the um. As I got older in that sport, um, you know, again, there wasn't many people, if any, that looked like me. And that was a, a pressure of its own. <laughs> hey, mom. Uh, she said, yes, I'm watching. Uh, <laughs> there was, a, there was a, um, you know, there was a, a shortage of, of people of color in, you know, in swimming. And yeah. so there was a, a huge pressure that came with that as well. Like, you know, feeling like you had to be the best because you were representing you know, your culture, your race, like yeah. that's a, that's a big weight uh, to carry as a kid. And, and I remember how that felt. Um, and so I would often be anxious or feel stressed or overwhelmed, um, you know, not wanting to disappoint anyone, make, you know, wanting to, you know, win all my races. And I did not win all of them, but, yeah. um, you know, I definitely you know, tried my hardest and did my best. And I, I swam at a pretty high level. But um, there was a lot of performance anxiety that came with, um, you know, being one of the only or one of the few, um, you know, that I had no idea um, how it would impact me later on. Absolutely. Man, so <laughs> I want to know more. How did you how did you deal with that? How did you still perform? Um, do you remember any little tactics like you kind of made up as as a young person that like before your races or on the bus going to you know uh uh, not race but a a meet (laughs) I was like "Hmm." I know right uh going to your meets was there any type of I don't know meditation or any calming things that you kind of remember doing you know, I wish I had known some techniques back then, um, but no, not really. And I think a lot of young people struggle with that now, like not knowing, like, how do I calm myself? How do I get regulated? Um, those are things that I was missing out on. You know, those are things that I didn't really know about. Um, you know, I was juggling, you know, swimming. When I, I remember in high school, I was juggling swimming for my high school team and also swimming for 
um, you know, another team like similar to AAU um, and having to juggle both of them. And it was just kind of like autopilot almost like it's just like I just got up and just did it. But, um, you know, there were times when I would cry um, because I, I, you know, I didn't do well or didn't do as well as I could have or wanted to. Um, but I think that the difference for me was that um, I had a, a support system. You know, I had mm -hmm. people rallying around me. Um, you know, I had my mom. I had my papa. Mm -hmm. Rest in peace, Papa, um, you know, that were really showing up for those meets, um, you know, getting me my parka, making sure I had my snacks, um, yeah. you know, and and, you know, never, never shaming me or making me feel bad for um you know, not getting first place. So for me, it was my my support system, my social support system that really came through for me in those times because I really didn't have the internal resources then um, that I do now. Um, you know, to to really supersede some of those feelings. Yeah, if you if you could, I don't know, give one one tip or just kind of talk to the young men and women that are in high school, even college, and they're playing sports like i don't know swimming that golf that are um <laughs> not as diverse and or you don't see a lot of maybe black and latino uh players playing that mm -hmm. sport what would you say to them um for them just to kind of can, can not put pressure on themselves to be the the token players mm -hmm. there for their culture <laughs> Yeah. Um, I would probably tell them to, you know, not compare themselves, to be honest, um, not compare themselves to other, you know, to the other athletes. Um, you know, it's like comparing apples and oranges. Um, but when we use other people as the standard, we are always going to fall short, to be honest. Um, so I would I would definitely tell them to, you know, you are the standard and your best is absolutely good enough. And you know, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing more than you can do than your best. So as long as you got get out there and do your best, like you've, you've succeeded. Um, you know, that's absolutely what I would tell them. Um, you know, and, and also, you know, I'm a big believer in like body work, um, you know, breath control, and I, maybe it comes from being a swimmer, but, you know, doing those deep breaths, you know, I, I love this technique called the 444 breathing technique where you like, you know, breathe in for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, mm -hmm. blow it out for four seconds, um, you know, just to kind of help get your nervous system regulated so that equilibrium so yeah i would i would definitely tell them that so you know not to compare themselves and and find a resource that works for you for me it was you know it's breathing um mm -hmm. you know take a walk um you know do do some exercise that's outside of your sport that's a big one um you know if you're a basketball player i get that basketball can absolutely be um you know, have it, it has its really great health benefits and it can be a great stress reliever too. But if that's the thing that's bringing you stress, maybe stepping outside of that and doing something else, maybe going for a walk or taking a jog, you know, mm -hmm. take up some yoga, you know, do some other, some other practices um, and some other physical practices that are outside of your sport so that you can come back to it feeling a, a lot more energized and rejuvenated. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think, you kind of you kind of touched on it a, lo a little bit um, about the pressures that you can we can kind of create for ourselves when we yeah. compare ourselves to other players. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. 
let's let's touch on some different pressures that we put on ourselves. So I think obviously there's one pressure of athletes um, wanting to perform, wanting to perform um, and be great and the best. But like when when you are c- concentrating on on that, sometimes we do we just get in the way because we're putting so much pressure on ourselves. Yeah. And, because it's the goal is to be up here when we're right here. All we need to focus on is getting here, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting here and getting just the progression and getting yeah. better improvement. How, so we've talked about how we can kind of slow those down, but um, I don't know what, what type of pressure, how is that pressure effect, affecting athletes? The pressure yeah. that we put on ourselves looking at left to our right at my teammate or even locally, this other kid that plays the same mm-hmm. position, and all, everybody's all hyped about him and comparing us. How do how do they deal with that? How can we deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, first off, that to answer your first question, like, what does that do? Um, you know, it can absolutely mess with your self esteem, right, and your self efficacy. Um, you know, though, you know, you start to talk to yourself negatively. You don't, you're not really kind to yourself because if you're comparing yourself to someone else, um, you know, that means you feel like you're subpar and it can really, really diminish your self esteem. And, you know, when your self esteem is, you know, is dwindling, um, it absolutely impacts how you show up in practice or on the court or in the pool or what have you, um, you know, because your focus and concentration is no longer on, you know, how do I, you know, continue to achieve in this sport? It's now it's about, you know, I'm never going to do this or I'm, I'm not going to be good at this, you know, so those negative thoughts can be very um, consuming and take mm-hmm. your focus away from, you know, doing the thing that you love or doing the thing that you're purposed for, um, you know, so being, you know, being really careful with doing that, um, Something that that I find is is really helpful in the work that I do with young people is, you know, getting those thoughts out of your head and onto some paper, write it down Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to keep holding it and keep replaying that story over and over again. Um, And then, you know, if you have a trusted person that, um, you know, that's in your life, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a counselor, whether it's a parent, uh, a best friend, you can actually process some of those thoughts with that person um, or you can just kind of look them over yourself and kind of put them on trial and 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 really start to you know kind of poke holes in them so that you can um, replace them with some more positive thoughts or at least some neutral thoughts um, so I think that that's one you know one way um, you know when you're talking about younger kids um, a, a thing that I like to use with younger kids is not writing those things down but drawing it you know, how does it feel? You know, when, you know, what do those thoughts look like? You know, let's draw a picture of that. Um, and, and that's really helpful to parents to be able to see like what's really going on with their kids and the yeah. things that they're experiencing. Because oftentimes young people um, have a hard time communicating their needs. They have a hard time communicating their thoughts, um, you know, and, and they're all kind of mixed in together. So developmentally, they're not really capable at this point to, to be able to convey that. But having them draw it and, and going through it with them um, yeah. is a really helpful tool for parents and even coaches um, to, to help support kids who are um, having a lot of ne- negative self-talk and um, issues with anxiety. That's a good one. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> now i want one <laughs> so, that's that's a really good one um what age group would you say that is useful for uh is that i don't know eight or nine and under what's the oldest you would go with the drawing 
um, your emotions and how they're feeling. I mean, honestly, you could, <laughs> teenagers could even do it. You know, there's, yeah. it depends on where they are developmentally, to be honest, mm -hmm. um, because there are some, you know, older adolescents that are still having a hard time articulating themselves, even when it comes to writing it on paper. So, and then you also have some other challenges. Some kids are dyslexic or have ADHD, things like that. So, you know, mm -hmm sitting down, writing down how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking, you know, can be taxing for them. So even for them, drawing it, um, you know, can be um, really relieving. So it can be a, a coping mechanism that helps regulate them, you know, because art is, you know, art is so regulating. Um, and then also just being able to kind of figure out what shelf to put that stuff on. Um, so I don't know if there's an age limit for the drawing, um, but I would say, you know, for the younger kids, as, as young as, you know, when do they start drawing, like four years old, um, having them draw. And you can really understand what's going on with them through the pictures that um, are on the page. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome, thank you for that. Uh, I wanted to kind of circle back on the comparison, be, comparing yourself as, a, as an athlete to mm -hmm. other people on the team and I, I did that. I, I've done yeah. that. Even playing at all the high levels that I've played at, there's moments where there was negative talks, negative self-talk. There was my confidence wasn't always as high as it normally was. And mm -hmm. so even in college when I got there, because um, I, I wanted to play a three. I wanted to be a three. I wanted to play a guard position. And I did not understand why I wasn't playing that position. Yeah. Um, so I, I was athletic enough. I could do it. I had the, you know, IQ to do it. But there was just, I was feeling so terrible. And there was just one moment, like, because my coach would, they would tell me, like, hey, you are good at this. We, this is where we need you. And yeah. I finally, the, the four is where, I, where, where we need you. And I finally kind of like just sat back and looked at what they were saying and looked at the team and, was like, okay, we guard heavy. Mm -hmm. So we're just guard heavy. There is more room for me to be at the four where I can still be the same player. I'm just playing closer to the basket. Mm -hmm. um, I'm yep. still being impactful. I'm still a starter. Uh, working my butt off, I'm still a starter. And, and for me, it was like, okay, I don't need to compare myself. What mm -hmm. I need to do is reframe that in admire yeah let me admire my my teammates i love how uh so-and-so is so fast Brittany raven is so fast carla cortijo's ball handling i love that yeah so sometimes it's it's athletes need to reframe when they're thinking about comparing themselves don't compare just admire like dang i love my teammates whatever ability to rebound and run the floor in her yeah. his or her ability to shoot the three <laughs> And then, and then there you look at where you're, what you are good at and feel confident in that. And then instead of comparing, we're putting those side by side and we're making this puzzle. That's why we play team sports. Mm -hmm. my, other, my teammates aren't able to do what they're special at if I don't do what I'm special at. If I don't do it at the high school. Like, if I don't rebound and get down here and throw some elbows and get the rebounds, I can't throw it up, I can't throw it up the court for <laughs> Brittany Raven to get up there and run and put it in right. and, mm -hmm. then, and then we don't score we, we're ready for our press mm -hmm. so i want student athletes to know 
give love and, and, and water the seeds that you have, the skills that you have. Those are yours for a reason. Yeah. Build off of those, right? The things that you do well, naturally build off of those. And then you can make, you can become uh, skilled for different uh, positions. Mm-hmm. But just keep in mind, you are special. If you're, in, if you're in D1, if you have a scholarship, you got a scholarship. You're there for a reason. You are, I don't know, top two or 3% of athletes that are able to go play at the next level. You're there for a reason. So do what it is that you have to do and then yeah. keep building and, and, and stop looking to the side, but um, just admire, admire what your teammates are about mm-hmm. and what they have too. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And, you know, and it's it's interesting because, you know, when we look at other people and, and how, you know, well they do something, whether it's, a you know, on the court or on the field or even in the workplace as adults, mm-hmm. right? We're like, oh, so-and-so, you know, does this so well. It seems so easy for them. But it's mm-hmm. like, you were hired too, you know, yeah. you were hired too, and you work at the same place. You're on the same team, you know, and so that must mean something. That must mean you are of that same caliber because you're in the room too, um, just to pick back off what you said. So remembering that, that, you know, you were chosen for a reason as well. And you're in the same room as all those greats or the people that you consider to be great. Um, you know, so that means that you're great too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the things that like, man, when I figured that out, I was good because I was confident in like, okay, this is what I do. So let's just do right. it. Right. And man, that's what, that's why I was able to play for a long time and get to mm-hmm. enjoy my career just off of the things that I did well. Um, And like you said, that goes, that goes for working in the workplace. And uh, as a parent, what do you do? Well, like do that. Right. And that's why co-parent you have, you got different um, attributes that you can use and work as a team. Yeah. Um, Kind of goes back to the values. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's talk about, man, we on precious. (laughs) Let's talk about uh, parents. Um, Let's talk about um, the pressures that parents might be putting on their their student athletes, their middle school and high school student athletes, Mm -hmm. especially um, that are just trying to learn the game. One, figure themselves out, figure their athletic identity out and their self-identity uh, but then on the other side too, they are, yes, they're trying to get a scholarship. Mm-hmm. How can, what kind of solutions can we give parents to say, Hey, let me step back and see if, how can I put less stress on my athlete to go yeah. out there and just have fun and perform? Absolutely. Um, I think for parents, you know, it's not just how can I put less stress on my athlete, but how can I put less stress on myself? Um, oh, yeah. You know, being a parent, I'm I'm not a parent myself, but I've seen so many great ones, and man, that's a big job. So I I take my hat off to all the parents out there um, who are showing up for their kids. You know, taking them to practice, picking them up, taking them to school. You know, going to PTA. Um, you know, making lunches, going to work, doing all of those things. Um, so you guys have enough on your plate as is. Um, you know, so when it comes to your your athlete, your your kid in their sport, allowing the other support systems to show up online for your kids and not feeling like you have to be everything to them. You know, that 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 term like it takes a village and it absolutely does. So, you know, letting the coaches coach, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know parents, you know, absolutely want the best for their kids, but, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, where there's been, you know, parents who have stepped over the, the parent coach boundary mm-hmm. where, you know, they're, they're taking on, <laughs> they're taking, they're, I'm going to get some, some stuff for this one. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to take the lead on their, their kids, um, you know, game, they're, they're coaching from the sidelines, uh, you know, they're coaching from the bench, they're coaching from the stands and it's yeah. like, Mom, dad, you know, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, you know, whoever you are as a primary caregiver, um, you have enough on your plate. Let the coach do what they are paid to do. Let them do what they are hired to do, which is coach your kid and trust that. Trust that there you are not the only one that can show up for your child. You have done such a great job thus far and you're still you're still doing a great job. Mm-hmm. But, you know, letting the coaches take care of that piece so that you don't burn out so that, you know, your burnout doesn't cause you to respond to your kids in a way that um, isn't really, um, you know, authentic to how you feel about them so that they don't feel those excessive pressures from you so that they know that home is my safe place. Like the court on the court, I might, you know, coach might yell at me. Um, I might have made mistakes. My teammates might be mad at me at school. My teacher might be disappointed in me. But when I go home, I am safe. Because yeah. mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever primary caregiver is, is there to show up and show me love. And so, you know, they don't feel like they're getting, you know, they're getting that that reprimand from all sides, especially when it comes to their sport. Yes, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with all of the things um, I wanted to. I do want to add it's like to help take the pressure off of yourselves as as parents because um, we, we know you care. We care so much. You want the best for your student athlete. I, I would say, too, is to pay attention and listen to their their wants and needs about mm-hmm. playing sport, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or whatever it is, science projects, programming, whatever. Mm-hmm. When sometimes kids have interest in a sport and then that interest kind of dwindles right. and they want to try something else. Yeah. And then they might come back to mm-hmm. that sport. Like, I want to try this again. I I really um, challenge uh, parents to pay attention to the interests and kind of kind of allow the student athlete to kind of lead that. Yeah. Because there's I've seen a lot of kids not even wanting to come to training, like skill mm. development or even practice. Like they just literally don't want to be here. Yeah. Like I, it's visible. They don't want to mm-hmm. play ball. They don't want to do whatever sport it is. Um, and I've had to have conversations with parents who say, like, I just don't think they like this. Is there something else that they are interested in? Like, sometimes you just have to look at that um, yeah. and take the stress off yourself from like making sure we're going to every practice and getting all the gear and on these teams when they're not even really interested in that. <laughs> they they want to go do karate or you know, whatever it is. I don't know. Dance. <laughs> they want to dance, you they know. Dance. Or yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like pay attention to just the interest and and if you can't if you can't nail it down, ask them. Yeah. And ask them, they'll tell you, they'll tell you if they do feel safe about it. About mm-hmm. saying, you know, well, I don't really want to play this. I kind of want to Yeah. There's a lot of um there's a lot of uh, uh, athletes that are are playing sports because their friends are in it and that's fine and that's that's great i think they should 
absolutely enjoy a sport and play with their friends. And I think um, if it's at that level, parents should just also know that, hey, they're playing because their friends are here. Yeah. Their best friend plays. Why not? Yeah. So it's it might not be at a competitive level, the at the competitive level that you thought as a parent, but they you're, like your kid enjoys it. They're they're just, fun. They're just having fun, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just as important to their development as, as anything else. Like, you know, social, you know, socialization and Mm -hmm. connection, you know, kids, kids need that and want that. And so even if that's the driving force behind them participating in a sport, it still matters. It still matters. And how can you expand that? How can you foster that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and not put pressure on them to be at a certain level or be, you know, at the level that maybe you were. Cause I know there's a lot of parents out there that have played sports themselves and, and played mm-hmm. at high levels and they're, you know, they want the, their legacies to live on, sure. um, you know, and, you know, just because your kids are not doing it the same way that you did, doesn't mean that it's wrong. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're not honoring you. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it might look different. Yes. I, I think also, man, you touched on a good point. I think also allowing them to change their mind or, um, allowing them to change their mind is also playing into the part of helping them develop their identity, their self identity, yeah. not their athletic identity. Yeah. So being able to say, "Hey, I want to try this and go try it," and then mm-hmm. figure out, "Hey, I like it or I don't like it." The earlier, the the, the more they can do that, the earlier they they can do that. I feel that yes. when they get older, they'll think, they'll do so many things and be like, oh, I know what I want to do now. Like yeah. early. Mm-hmm. early. And yeah. I think we don't, they're in, I don't know, in the system of school or just in general, we're not able to give uh, kids that opportunity to do that more or uh, uh, some type of system where we kind of go through a system and we just kind of know like, man, I really want to do this by the time I get out of college or even go mm-hmm. to college. I don't know yeah. how many times I uh, <laughs> changed my my major um, <laughs> in college, and a lot of us do. A lot of a lot of us, athletes, but a lot of uh, a lot of students do. Yeah, like that happens, and yeah, I just think like allowing your kid to do a lot of different things that they actually are interested in, and it's not forced upon them. Yeah, it gives them, it gives them when they get older, they'll be like they will not stay and do things that they are not happy doing absolutely absolutely they will not have a hard time saying ah i don't want to do this i'm very i know what i don't want to do i want to do this yeah that's just happiness and self-development and and self-identity too and boundaries, which is a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic, but it, it allows them to understand what boundaries are and what their boundaries are. Um, I love Yolanda said, nourishing free will in a child. Radical. Yes. Yeah. There you go. What's up, Yolanda? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, like it, it, it absolutely shows them that, you know, it's okay to, you know, be who they are. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say not right now. It's okay to change your mind, um, you know, and, and just being able to foster that. I think that it, it, it helps develop self-efficacy, self-awareness, and um, trust in self. You know, I don't know how many adults I know that don't trust themselves to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if we can start early, you know, helping kids <laughs> develop that, that skill, right, and that yeah. characteristic, 
gosh, like we will have some some adults that are going to make some really good decisions and are, are going to change the world. Yes, we will. I, I think it's I think it's funny, too, because like sometimes in sports, um, I, I have heard like the idea of, hey, if you start if you start something, make sure you finish it. Like, yeah. like I've heard I've heard some of my teammates mm-hmm. <laughs> have to continue whatever this 10 week uh, program um, that they just like really didn't like. And I get it. I yeah. get the idea of like, hey, if you start it, commit to it and finish it. But yeah. when you when you try something, you're like, bam, it's not for me. I it's know that. That's yeah. that's trusting self. Yes. That's where we need to be flexible with like, okay, they mm-hmm. know themselves. Like, good yeah. for you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Being willing to, you know, reevaluate. There is nothing wrong with reevaluation. I think that that's a huge strength and, and that that actually helps defeat self-doubt. So Oh, yeah. I'm all about pivoting and, you know, reevaluating if it's not working, um, you know, understanding why it's not working and, and being willing and able to and having the space and the grace to change your mind. Yes, 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 yes. Really quick, everybody that's watching, thank you so much for tuning in to us. Yeah. Uh, drop your comments. Drop your questions. We, we would love to answer some questions at the end here. Um, but yes, glad you guys are, are watching and thank you so much. Um, I wanted to give a couple, a couple tips from the coach (laughs) for the parents out there. So when you are doing skill development or even like having conversations with, um, their coach, I, I want you to have conversations of your opinion about what they need to do and what they need to, they're good at and not good at one-on-one away from the athlete. (laughs) I've had, I've had parents. I've had parents kind of like just kind of chime in. I'm literally talking and asking the the, the athlete, "Hey, um, what do you think you want? You need to work on. What do you want to work on?" And so now I've learned to like go away to the opposite end mm-hmm. of the space, and so I can connect with the athlete. But I've had sometimes parents come in and just kind of not really trying to hurt the, the their their athlete, of course, but say what they think that they're bad at. And yeah. it gets animated sometimes. And I feel we I feel like cringy because I can remember or, or I can imagine being that athlete and being yeah. in their shoes and like hearing that because they kind of already know what mm-hmm. if they're in tune with that with the sport, they know what they are good at, they know what they're not good at, they know what they need to do, and they've heard it a million times. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help to continue to hear it from their support system. Yeah. When they see you if you're not their coach, they see you as mom, dad, grandma, auntie, support system, safety. Um, yeah. they don't, I don't think they need to hear it from you um, talking to the coach. Like, don't be talking about it while they're there. Yeah. So a good just one. be mindful of that. What do you think? Yeah, I absolutely think that's that's a, a good a good point, a really good point. Being, being able to, to separate the dynamics for sure. Yes. Um, and like you said earlier, don't stop coaching from the stands. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. Don't, don't I know. Just like... <laughs> don't coach from the stands. Don't do that. Um, yeah. what I mean is you can, you can be a fan. You can, you can cheer. You can do all that. I'm not saying don't be, have fun and be animated and be their support system from the stands. Don't be coached from the stands. 
I literally went to a playoff game <laughs> and it's halftime. It's like halftime. The team's already out at the bench. The team is grouping and getting ready to go out and play this third quarter. And there's one player that's over here talking in the stands today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck? Don't. First of all, student athletes, if you're watching, don't do that. Stay locked in with your team. Stay locked in with your coach because as that's happening, coach is writing plays and and he or she is sharing things to plan. You are going to miss the plan. Yeah. You you will miss the plan and then you you are separating yourself from your teammates. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's lost trust. There's a disconnect in trust there from the coach coaches and your teammates. And then mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a little it's a dis, it's disrespectful. Um also parents don't don't allow don't allow that. Like okay, if they come in over to you to get some water, to get something that they need, they left in it, they got a shoe missing, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, right? But no, no, please do not coach them. Um, allow them to get through these tough times when they're playing and competing on their own, yeah. right? Um, because they won't always have you to go to the stand, go to the stands when it's a tough game or when they go to the next level. They're not going. You you see players that are playing at any college level going up to the stands talking to somebody and coming back to the team and thinking they're going to get on the court, they might not get on the bus fooling with some of these coaches. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Don't do that. Um, Yes. That's a, that's a good tip. That's a good tip coach. (laughs) I'm trying to help y'all. Please don't do it. Don't do it. Um, Cause you get one of them real coaches. They be like, Nope. You're not going in. (laughs) And, and, and please, if you are the one of the best players on the team, you, you cannot do that. Do not put your coach in a situation or position to have to um, sit, you, sit you down. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because you, you can't – he or she cannot then let any other kid do the same thing. There will be a yeah. problem. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Um, yeah. Also, one more thing for um, – Parents, I think this is this is really going to help y'all. Um, after practice, after games, after especially after a loss, maybe after a tough <clears throat> one-on-one or skill practice where your athlete struggled, right? Yeah. I, I want y'all to start allowing them to bring up practice when, like, when you get mm-hmm. ready to go home and drive that 20, 30 minute drive in the car. They're they're feeling down. Um, you can ask them how they are. But I, I would allow them to bring up anything that they're dealing with. Um, I would la- allow them to bring up practice. Yeah. Like maybe you can talk about something else, a movie. What you gonna, What y'all gonna watch tonight? What you want for dinner? Mm-hmm. And why I say that is because uh, sometimes when we when we approach it and say, "Hey, what what was going on with that one drill?" or in the game they blew a layup. Listen. The athlete knows they blew the layup. The whole stand knows they blew the layup. The coach knows. The team knows. Don't ask about the layup. All right, we don't need to rub it in. Don't rub it in. It's not you doing that on purpose because you're asking about it, but it feels like it because I'm already embarrassed. Yeah. I already know. Like, I think I'm already pressuring myself kind of guilty for my team letting my team down in that moment or my coaches so um 
I want I want y'all to like kind of reframe um, conversations on the ways home, on on the drives, the long drives to the tournaments. Like if they they will they will tell you if they want a prep talk, a pep yeah. talk. They will yeah. tell you. And and tell them, hey, I'm not gonna maybe I'm not gonna ask about you know practice or something, but I want you to know I'm always here to talk. If you if you uh, want to talk about something, bad game, good game, whatever, I'm always here to talk. And see, just see when they start bringing stuff up to you. Because they will, When I think, when they feel very comfortable. Um, yeah. For me, I think that's a that's what I've seen and told parents, and it's it's worked. But I also had to tell my mom. She was, she was, a, she was a coach. <laughs> <laughs> she was my coach growing all the way up from, like, third, fourth grade all the way to high school. And um, I was so glad when AAU season came because she was just mom. She yeah. was just my support system from the stands. Same uh, place. She got my water. She got my mm-hmm. socks. And she was just mom. And there was a time like maybe sophomore, junior year in high school where I had to tell her that we can't talk about basketball after practice. I don't want to talk about basketball. I just want to go home and and I want you to be mom then, right? Mm-hmm. And then I guess allow me to bring stuff up. And I always brought stuff up, but I wanted to feel like I wasn't hearing her at practice as a coach. And then on the drive home and then at the dinner table. And then the next morning, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear all that. <laughs> <laughs> Let them bring it up organically. <laughs> organically yeah. and, um, that'll, yeah. that'll probably take some strain off the relationship of, of, of athletes and parents and sports like uh, just try it somebody tell me try it tell me how it goes how does it work how does it work, does it work? I w- you know what I wonder if uh I wonder if it would be helpful too to you know those parents, I, I've seen parents at games and meets and things like that, um, like taking notes, right? I've seen parents taking notes and I'm like, what are they writing? You know, are they writing a novel about their kid? Like, I don't know what's happening, but I've seen them taking notes. So if you're a parent out there taking notes of the, you know, the the things that your kid is not doing so well, in your opinion, maybe, you know, again, reframe that, reverse that, um, flip it on its head and write down the things that you saw them do well, um, you know, and, and let's do some positive reinforcement. So when they do get in the car and they're like, oh, man, I bombed that, you know, just highlighting their strengths, highlighting the things that you that you saw them do well, because, again, they are going to already hear from the coach and their teammates what they didn't do so well. And so having a balance um, of, of both you know, positive and, you know, and the other stuff, I think that, you know, that would be helpful. So they get in the car like, man, like, you know what, I, you were, you did a great job at passing, you know, this game, like, you know, that's something that I, I'm seeing you improving at, like, good job. Or, you know, um, you know, you were a great sport on the bench. Um, like, I love the way you were cheering your teammates on. I know you didn't get the same amount of game time that you're used to, but like, you were, you know, you were, you were out there, you know, cheering them on and you were gassing them up, like making sure that they know that yeah. those things, um, you know, those things are celebrated and appreciated. So, you know, just kind of balancing it out a little bit more, um, you know, might also be helpful. Yeah. That's a, and that's a good point. That is, um, those are important too. Like being able to be a teammate, being able to be develop that other leadership that you're talking about if they didn't get in uh, as much as they maybe usually do or wanted to do. Yeah. H- how do you handle that? Cause that's not, mm-hmm. it might seem like failure, like oh, I didn't get in, but 
um, like how, like they'll, they'll have to be able to handle things when it doesn't go their way. Yeah. Um, and then handling, handling it with grace, uh, hopefully will allow them to have less pressure on themselves, less anxiety, um, and then keep them present and for the next opportunity that they might get in. Somebody might get hurt or they just coaches like, come on, let's go. Yeah, let's like, work it out. want to have the attitude of like, eh, mm-hmm. I never get in. I'm not getting in anyway. And then you get put in and you're not ready. Oh, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's another topic. <laughs> man, so many good topics. You do have a question. Kippy, hey, Kippy Griffin says, how do you foster next play mentality with your player and how do players do the, do this with each other? Uh, Foster next play mentality. I think, I think again, like not having, not putting pressure on yourself to be perfect every step of the way um, in practice and especially in practice, practice is to make mistakes and to get better and to learn and to slow things down, to, um, dissect them so that we can really understand them. Uh, and I think it is just also understanding like for basketball, understanding the game, like there's so many things that happen. There's so many opportunities to within an offensive play or defensive play. Yeah. That yeah, I might be in the wrong. I might be in the wrong position, but if I still hurry and hustle over there, I can still use my athleticism and still get a block or still get a charge. It's it's man, that's a good question. It is it is hard. That's one of the hardest things um, to do. And I think it's just an overall confidence of understanding the game, understanding my abilities, and a um, a total effort of working hard. So when I when I'm just built for working hard, I'm able to let go of many failures, the the many M I N I, and maybe not even see it as a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I have I, I think I have to students have student athletes have to just think like it's in the past, like let it go. It's just it's just reminding you, reminding them to let it go. In the wrong spot, let it go. I can't change it. I got to continue to see what the next best play is. What's the next best position? What's the next best thing I can do? Um, how can I? How can I still keep us in the play? How can I get that? That? How can I get that turnover back? Because when I come down and I turn it over and I shoot some crappy shot, I got I got to hustle back to get on defense so that they don't score or so that I can work my butt off to get it back, to get it still, to get a charge, to get the rebound? Um, that's a good question. Very good question. What What do you think on the clinical what? side, clinician? Yeah, I don't know if there's a clinical answer for this one. Uh, except, that's you know, really come, come to therapy and I'll do some CBT with you. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How do you foster next play mentality with your player and how do players do this with each other? Um. I would say, uh, I guess clinically, um, you know, because this is definitely a cognitive thing, right? Um, I think it's an IQ thing too, um, right? Yeah, I would say this is an IQ thing um, more so than anything. Um, but I think that you had you had a great point where you said, um, you know, letting that 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 last play go where I you know I'm I missed a spot or I met I missed a pass um and not just not just letting it go but also 
um, you know, understanding what happened, you know, like what happened, like exploring what happened. And so maybe that's where you, um, you know, when they go back in the locker room and they do the, you know, recap of the game and they look at game, you know, game tape and stuff like that. Like that's where you, I think that that's where the, the next play mentality starts to develop, you know, being able to look at that game tape. I don't know how often, you know, young people these days, like really look at game tape and like see where those <laughs> gaps are. Um, but you can learn a lot by, you know, just kind of doing a once over on the game and being able to see like, oh, shoot, like, you know, I could have, you know, I could have moved up, you know, in the post a little bit and, and, and got that pass or, you know what, I if I would have just, you know, went around, like I could have been open or whatever. So being able to look at that, that game tape and, you know, understanding you know, where, where it is, you may have fallen short. And if you do that as a team, you know, that's going to foster being able to do that with each other. Um, and then, you know, based on what you see in the game tape, then practicing that in practice, you know, practicing those, those, um, you know, that next step that you might've missed last time. I feel like practicing those gaps is something that, um, I don't know if a lot of teams do, especially with basketball. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they practice. I don't know. I'm not a basketball player. So I don't know. I do not know. Uh, I definitely, I definitely um, agree with the agree IQ. With I'm going to have to crack, crack, crack this crack open and open get down to the down bottom to of it. It's a really, really good question. Um, and I think, when I think back to myself, I think, okay, when you know the IQ of the game, um, whatever you did wrong, you kind of know, you you might know what you did wrong in that moment, or you might have to go back to film. But in moments where, let's say you have a turnover, you're on offense and somebody turns the ball over. If if we are lackadaisical about getting our butts back on transition yeah. defense, there's gonna be a score. They're gonna they're gonna kill us. So that's IQ, but that's also that's also knowing um, what is it the the negative part. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> I can't get my word. You, the, the consequence of not going to the next play is they're going to get an easy transition bucket, right? Yeah. Uh, something's going to happen not, that's not in our favor if I don't go to the next play and try to recover on everything that I do offensively, um, defensively. Also, there's trust in team. If mm. I make a mistake, that's why we're playing team team sport here. Um, we're talking about basketball, football, and other team sports. Uh, you have to have a trust in your team to say, hey, if I mess up, there's four other people or however many other teammates I have that have the ability to close that gap for me until I can get back in the play, mentally yeah. and physically. Mm-hmm. So it is IQ for sure. Uh, it's trust in the team. And then, man thinking about being being able to say being able to not stay in that place of like failure yeah it's just it just happened trying to try to say it again yeah no i was just saying it maybe slowing down you know i think that i i think that we just we live in a society that's like go 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 move 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 and it's like what if i just took a deep breath and like slowed it down so that um you know i had a you know the ability to you know really anticipate what's you know what's to come i think we don't you know oftentimes give ourselves that moment of clarity that a breath can can really give us and so you know maybe that 
you know, that next play was, you know, that next play that you, you know, that, that you should be anticipating, um, you know, perhaps you can lean into it with just a breath, like slow it down. You don't have to play at the other team's pace. You don't, you know, you don't have to rush it. I mean, I know there's a shot clock, um, but, you know, just slow it down and take a deep breath. I have this saying that I tell a lot of my young ones, um, pause when, you know, pause when, mm -hmm. and, and maybe that's something that they can keep in the back of their mind. Just pause when, so that, um, you can give yourself that clarity um, to be able to anticipate, you know, what's to come. Man, that was good. You sure you're not a coach? I'm a coach. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Hope we, I hope no. we answered uh, your question, Kippy. That was a really, really good question. I like I yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me see. What's so going on over there in the comments? Questions. Maybe one more. I, I like this comment though. Which one? I was just thinking, shoot, I, I need I to start it. drawing because maybe I can get them feelings out in a little <laughs> portrait or something. <laughs> That's what art art is expression. That's the thing. Art is expression. And so, you know, we might not have the words to say, but you know, I know how to draw a smiley face or a sad face. And those can tell you exactly where I'm at. Huh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I with my with my little ones, my little elementary kiddos, um, I have a feelings chart that I use with them that I put up and it has like happy, sad, frustrated, confused, like all these different emotions and they have facial expressions. And so I have them practice those facial expressions in the mirror um, so that they can start articulating, um, you know, what it is that they're feeling and experiencing. I love that. Can you give me that chart? Gotcha. Sent. Sent. <laughs> Just practice in the mirror. Any other Sad. <laughs> Sad. Sad. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Sidaria Lewis. What do you do with children who don't want who don't want to demonstrate any interest outside of their bedroom? <laughs> oh man. For oh. the the kiddos the kiddos that don't want to come out of their rooms. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one. And not sure if this kiddo is an athlete or not. Um, but yeah, I think it goes back to, you know, what you said earlier, coach, um, that, you know, asking them, you know, what it is that they enjoy, like, what do they enjoy doing and getting on board with that? Um, you know, I think play is underrated. You know, we as adults even need to play. Teenagers mm -hmm. need to play. It just might look different than it did in the second grade. And so really understanding, you know, what does play look like for them? Um, is it, you know, doing nails? Is it sewing? Is it, you know, painting? Is it listening to music and joining them? Play with them. So if they're in their room and they're listening to music, that can be a coping skill for them. That's a coping mechanism. And they're doing something that that's really regulating. And so if they're not coming out of their room, but they're listening to music, going in there and, and, and engaging with them, like, oh, what are you listening to? Like, you know, what does the song mean to you? Like, what are the, you know, what are your favorite lyrics? Like being able to, to really meet them where they are. So if that's, if they're in their room, meet them there. And then also, you know, asking them what it is that they're, you know, other things that they might enjoy that are outside of the home or outside of the room. Maybe it's cooking or baking. 
we can get them from the room to the kitchen at least. Um, you know, so, <laughs> you know, like baby steps, baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's it's really um, a matter of communicating with them um, and allowing them to to know that you know that they have an open ear and an open heart in you. So meet them in their room see what it is that they're, you know, what they're doing, what they're interested in. Um, you know, I know a lot of kids that sit in their room and just draw, like, that's okay. That's absolutely okay. Um, but it might be even better for them to, to have someone like an adult come in there and join them in that um, so that they don't feel so isolated. Yeah. Good answer. That's a good question. That's really a good yeah. question. Yeah. I know a lot of teens do that. <laughs> I mean, adults, I mean, I'm an introvert and I, I think you are too. You're an introvert too. So, I mean, I definitely I, I'm talking about now as an adult, I, I'm like, I don't come out of my room. So, uh, unless there's food. Um, so if you want me to come out of my room, cook me some food, you know, <laughs> basically, <laughs> I hope that answered your question. That's a really good question. Um, yeah. And I know, yes, because I'm an introvert. I, obviously, I played basketball, so I was able to get outside the house. But when I was, like, in high school, i stay in the room. And I would be mm -hmm. playing Sims on the computer. I'd be mm -hmm. taking the computer taking the computer apart, putting it back together, listening, yeah. listening to music. Just, I don't know. Yeah. So that I, I, I can see those things working, parent coming in or adult coming in, to, just to join them, see where they are, um, asking questions, being interested in the games they're playing and maybe even start playing with them. That could be fun. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I guess going through that with them, you can start to understand and see more parts of them. They'll, they'll open up and you can, yeah, they'll yeah. share some things. For sure. That's a, an opportunity to build trust with them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, oh, wow. this, is a, this, is a, this is a good little podcast episode. <laughs> uh, closing remarks did you have any any resources you wanted to share with um, anyone out there um, that was listening or will watch this uh, podcast yeah absolutely I mean you know just just a few coping skills that might help you know your kiddos or yourself with anxiety um, I talked about earlier the 444 breathing um, which is a lifesaver for me um, you know going for a walk doing some light exercising you know making sure you just get your body moving um, you know to help regulate your nervous system um, you know again writing down those worries drawing those worries um, or those feelings to um, you know really help to process them processing doesn't just happen by talking um, mm -hmm. There's multiple ways to process, um, you know, what you're experiencing. And lastly, like visualizations, like those are clutch. Um, I don't know about you, but like when I'm really, really exhausted, especially with work, I like to visualize my favorite place, um, a, you know, a beach in Belize or you know, a shopping mall in Tokyo. I am there and um, I am, you know, I am living my best life and, um, and it's beautiful there. So, you know, visualizing a place that really invokes like feelings of safety, comfort, calmness, um, you know, so that you give your, your system something to look forward to, something to smile about. Um, 
I think that those are some some great ways to stay grounded, stay present, and um, really help relieve stress and anxiety. Um, there's also a really great book that I love. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. Okay. And I just so happen to have it okay. here. Put that up. <laughs> Body Keeps the Score. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And it's a it's a great book. It offers even more insight on how, you know, on, you know, basically how stressful situations, even traumatic situations impact the mind, the body um, and the brain. So, you know, if parents are, you know, trying to understand that a bit more um, for themselves or even for their kiddos, this is a really great, um, a really great book to read. It's a little thick, but, um, you know, take your time and, um you know, I, I guarantee you, you'll find something in it that, um, you know, that you won't, you won't regret finding. So, yeah, I think that those are, you know, those are just some, a few, a few things that you can do. Um, you can also um, follow me on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> my, follow, shameless plug. follow me on Instagram at iridescent wellness. Um, aromatherapy is a big, big, um, you know, form of stress relief and grounding, um, you know, essential oils, uh, candles, aromatherapy candles, teas, things like that. Those are really great things to incorporate into your lives um, to, you know, to really help you live wholeheartedly and as healthy as possible. So um, if you are looking for some places to get that kind of stuff at Iridescent Wellness, has what you need. <laughs> yeah, y'all better go there and get the amber rose. <laughs> I feel like you like the you like the pumpkin pie the best. I do like the pumpkin pie, but amber rose and pumpkin pie they're good. Yeah, and I need my I need to get my uh, refill because I'll be burning these candles out. Well, I'd be so mad. I'd be like, dang, it's gone. Down to the ten. Down to the ten. <laughs> Man, this has been awesome, awesome. Thank you everybody for tuning in with your comments and your questions. We will be back. Yes, the body keeps the score. We will be back next week, Wednesday at six o'clock again, CST time. Yep. Um, I don't know what we're talking yet, but it's what we're talking about yet. But it's gonna be good. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna continue on the train of uh, you know mental health and sports, talking about just some different different sectors and issues that we want to bring awareness to for our parents, coaches, coaches, and athletes. So. Stay tuned, y'all. Thank yeah. you for tuning in. Sidaria, thank you so much. LCSW. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for letting me join the Triple Double Life family. Yeah. I appreciate you. Out, yes. <laughs> All right, guys. We out. I'm going to see you when I see you. Peace. Bye. <laughs>